I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And now, coming to you live from atop the Lavender Town Radio Tower, it's Buckle Movie Club. Hello and welcome to Puckle Movie Club. I'm your host, Ethan, here today with my co-host, Singular. The fluffiest whimsy goat. And, uh, Singular, gonna... but fluffy. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a little something different today. We're going to cover something that's not actually a movie at all. Uh, Which has we're... nothing to do with the fact that whimsy goat is dreadfully behind on Pokemon movies. No, not at all. Uh... As a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with all with Ethan's total fatigue with Pokemon movies, so... Um, well, man, I mean, it's Pokemon movies. Fatigue is to be expected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, this has been actually a really fantastic little break. We watched Pokemon Origins, um, which you guys all know, I'm sure, uh, came out 2013, uh, got dubbed... And it's a, it's a basically a retelling of Red and Green, or I guess Fire Red and Leaf Green, or. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to tell. Everything is perfectly consistent with either of those game pairs. So yeah. I'm, I'm just stuck. On, I'm just stuck on it being, you know, out since 2013. I I I thought it was far more recent. Oh my, how time passes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember doing a stream of this during the original run of movie nights that we did. Um, yes, which is where I saw it for the first time. Yeah, it, that's, uh, it's kind of serendipitous and fun that we get to cover it together. Um, so yeah. this is going to be less of a review, and more of us just talking about something that we like. Um, because I think it's kind of known at this point that this is a really high quality Pokemon <laughs> movie show product thing. Um, so yeah, absolutely. We're, yeah, we're just going to be kind of talking about what this does right and the lessons that can be taken away from it. Um, so you ready to get into the uh, into the show? More than ready. Okay, so uh, let's start with uh, episode one, where we are introduced to our characters, our our protagonist is Red, uh, who is a spunky shonen protagonist type. Um, he's you know energetic and 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 he 
uh, is enthusiastic about the po- world of Pokemon. And um, so, yeah, the, the show opens with um, a select menu. Uh, reminiscent, I mean, it's not reminiscent, it's the select menu from the first games, like the start menu of new game or whatever, and it's a really, uh, it immediately establishes right off the back that, uh, bat that this slavish devotion that the series has to the games, which is really fun. Um, and then it moves into an oak introduction, you know, like a, uh, a tutorial sequence or whatever. Um, again, like the one that they have in the game, explaining the world of Pokemon um, and then we get a, a, a red watching a battle on TV, like the battle from the opening, you know, sequence of Pokemon. You know the one. Uh, yeah, um, Nidorino versus Gengar. Yeah, everything about this is absolutely perfect. And I guess from the look of the menu, we could guess that it's actually red and green and not fire red and leaf green, now that we think about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, the introduction with Professor Rook also looks as if they wanted to make it look almost black and white. So... Uh, I think something that's really great about the Oak intro is that it is reminiscent of the one from the games, but it's cranked to 11 because it it can be because it's an animation, you know? Like, they don't just remake exact shots, they reinterpret things in a way that's really interesting. Um... So yeah, uh, Red's mom calls to him, letting him know that uh, Oak wants him to come over to his laboratory, and he does, and on the way there, he bumps into Blue, who is his uh, rival, and it's established right off the bat that they have this uh, friendly, I mean, at this point, it's a pretty friendly rivalry, it seems like a, like a childish kind of thing, and it's uh, it's fun for both parties, but... Um, so it's it's it, there's like a, a placefulness to it at first that's really great. Uh, so Oak asks them to travel the world and complete the Pokédex, which has always been his dream. And uh, to do to help them do so, he's going to give them each a Pokémon. And uh, you know it's it's the selection of the three. It's the free uh, the three Kanto starters of Charmander, Squirtle, and Bulbasaur. And Red chooses Charmander uh, because. He, uh, his dad named him Red with the hopes that he would have the fiery passion of a, of a fire type, um, which is And actually, of a shonen protagonist. What's that? And of a shonen protagonist, as <laughs> yes. you aptly said before. Oh, oh yes. Um, and this actually addresses something I was thinking about before going back and watching this, which is why your trainer is named after colors, but I guess this is a pretty decent way of explaining that away immediately. Yeah, I mean, they they found a decent, uh, I mean, a decent way to to justify that. Um, I guess the most interesting thing about their names is the entire green, blue, squirrel, Bulbasaur debacle. Yes, you got to explain this to me. I, you mentioned this last night, and I was just kind of like in a tired yes. haze, so I didn't really interpret what you were saying. Because we were discussing that scene where Red picks Charmander and Professor Oak then says to his grandson, so Blue, you're going to pick Squirrel because you're named Blue and Squirtle is a blue Pokemon. You're going to do the same thing (laughs) that Red did. And Blue says, well, no, I'm not going to pick my Pokemon for such a silly reason. 
But I'm going to pick Squirtle anyway because, you know, it's strong against Red's Pokemon. Which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense until you remember, and you may have noticed, the, ca- the characters are pretty well color-coded. What mm. color is Blue always wearing? It's not blue, it's green. Because Blue is named green in the original game slash origins right. anime. And so... What Professor Oak is actually asking him is, Green, are you going to pick Bulbasaur because your name is Green? And he says, No, I'm not going to be that silly. I'm going to pick Squirrel. Okay, Even that's though really... my name is Green. But in the dub, of course, we get red and blue. Uh, I still think it actually kind of plays. I think I still think it works in that um, I'm not going to pick something so... I'm not gonna, I wouldn't choose something because of something so silly. I um, am choosing this for a reason, which is that I want to beat Red. Um, and But actually, he doesn't even say it's because he wants to, to beat Red. It's because he insists that he has no interest in battling Red, when that's very clearly not the case, and it sets up this really no. nice dynamic. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that going on with Blue. He says one thing, and he obviously doesn't mean it. Pretty so. hot and cold. Um, so, yeah, so they set off on their adventures, and uh, Red goes after Pidgey for his first encounter, which is really, really pretty great. And we, we start to learn the rules of battling through uh, a series of encounters he has. So he, you know, um, doesn't capture Pidgey, so it doesn't get the data for the Pokedex. Uh, he goes to his first trainer battle and doesn't realize he can't capture other trainers' Pokemon. You know, these are things that you, <laughs> as a player, would do in the game. And it's a uh, really really wonderful for them to reinterpret it in such a like a like a narrative way you know um, yeah they did a great job with that uh yeah so then a cool bro- cool voice brock shows up and uh explains the the importance of of uh having power in 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 battling in terms of like uh, a pokemon won't follow you into battle unless they think that you're worthy of following um, which kind of, you know, gets Red going because he's just shown in protagonist. Uh, yeah, um, and, and he also he just got carp stomped by Blue Squirrel, so he noticed that he was obviously doing something wrong. Right. Um, and uh, he leaves Red with a thought, what is battling really about? Um, which is a recurring theme in this show, and it's established right off the bat by this guru like Brock, which is uh, pretty fantastic. Um, so, uh, Red, uh, he tells Red to go heal up his Pokemon at, uh, at, a, at the Pokemon Center in Viridian City, which he does, and then while at the museum, uh, Red, uh, um, hears some girls talking about the super famous Brock, a gym leader, uh, and he goes to challenge Brock immediately, which is pretty funny, and mm-hmm. Brock agrees to battle him, uh, decides to use only two Pokemon, which is, uh, was that because, I, I didn't really pick up why, was that because he wanted it to be a fair battle? I think it was because Red told him, I have no badges. So, according to that theory, which got confirmed in Generation 5, gym leaders pick their team for your battle, depending on how far along the league challenge you are. That's a, it that. works really well in this context. Like it really helps the narrative and, 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 and establishing a, Brock's a, character. A callback to this in episode three. Yeah. So. Um, so 
we learn about uh, red learns a lot about the basics of battling here, like type pref or uh, type, um, gosh, priority and stuff, and uh, yeah. and most importantly, he learns that Pokemon and trainers are partners. Uh, and Red wins and gets his first badge, and then uh, we get a series of uh, wistful conversations between um, Professor Oak and his assistant, um, and Brock and his assistant, about, they, they, they talk wistfully about Red, and like, that kid's gonna do things because he's, he's, a, he's a good kid, and you can see it, the fire in his eyes, you know, that kind of deal. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, they probably saw themselves when they first started out in Red. We, mm. Red is like a rather pure character, as is one of a shonen protagonist. So it's pretty obvious that he will inspire someone with his candor. One thing that really struck me about his battle with Brock was that Brock told him, you are not going to be ready to face a gym until you figure out what Pokemon battling is all about. Mm -hmm. And when he shows up at the gym, Brock asks him, so, have you figured it out? And Red says, no, I haven't got the answer yet, which is why I'm here, because I need to learn from you. I can't figure it out mm -hmm. by myself. And Absolutely. Brock was impressed by that, and that's why he accepted Red's challenge. I really like that detail. There's a there's a subtlety going on in, in character actions and like how people react to Red is really excellent um, because he does have this enthusiasm that is so pure uh, and he, he's not really like corruptible, you know. He, he, he's he's he has this wide-eyed enthusiasm about him that's just infectious, and and uh, people see that in him throughout the course of the the show. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, sets him up as this, he's destined to be great because of this love he has for Pokemon that's so uh, untainted. Um, yeah, and then we get a save sequence, which is, again, it, using this, the menus from the original games, and it's just super cute, and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it, too. Uh, yeah, so uh, you ready to move on to episode two? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we start with a montage of uh, Red doing stuff from the games, which establishes the status quo of uh, we, we don't have time to cover all of the events. Uh, so here's like some highlights, you know. Um, yes, which was really surprising to me the first time I saw this, even though I knew it was only four episodes. And some part of me knew that they could not possibly have the time to give every gym battle the time they gave to Brock's. I was really surprised to see him go through like three or four gyms in one month, uh, just in episode two. And I was perplexed, but then having watched it twice, I think it works really well. Because, oh my gosh. It, it just, yeah. the, the pacing works so well with those montage sequences. Because in reality, it's like, we don't really need to see all of that. We need Red's arc, you know, and how... Like, just, it, the way it is right now, the four-episode breakdown is so perfect. Um, so, yeah. Uh, episode because two. Because no one is going to watch this and not be a fan of the original games. You don't need to tell us everything. We already know yeah. what went on. We just want to know how and how this affects this character, who now has a life of his own instead of just being our proxy. 
and it's awesome that you they they touch on the stuff at all. Um, you know, it's really fun seeing like little glimpses of uh, moments from the games that we know very intimately uh, rendered in such a loving, beautiful animation. Which is worth noting that this does. I mean, it looks great for being a, a, a free product that they released online. It's I mean, it's lovingly done. The the character sprites are translated perfectly. The Pokemon look amazing. The actual animation itself is really fluid, and like the direction is super strong, um, which is just, I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really, really, really beautiful. Um, so yeah, we we're in Lavender Town now, and he uh, learns about the 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 Pokemon Tower from some locals, um, and uh, that while healing up his Pokemon, uh, a nurse tells him, or I guess it's is it a nurse Joy? It's not a nurse Joy. It's just a is. Uh, hold on. I mean, that wasn't a Nurse Joy, right? Well, uh, the one who heals his Pokemon was a Nurse Joy with a peculiar hair color. It's kind <laughs> but... of more subdued. It's just kind of... I guess it matches yeah. the town, though. You know, it's a little bit more somber, a little bit uh, more dim. That's a very good observation, actually. Yeah, it's... probably in a, in, a, in Lavender Town, a Nurse Joy with <laughs> bubblegum pink hair would look a bit out of place. A little bit less joy in Lavender Town. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, the nurse tells him to visit the Pokemon house, which he does. He meets a, a baby Cubone whose mother died, which you know immediately where this is going, having played the games. <laughs> Um, so, Red learns yeah, the, the... Oh, go ahead. We get the entire flashback sequence about Cuban's mother, <laughs> and I was a mess. It's rough. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, my goodness. Um, oh, I so mean, it's sad. just really brutal. It's, 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 it's pretty tough. It, it, it's a really sad moment in the show. Um, and I guess it just goes to show, like, it speaks to how good this is to where you can get any sort of emotional rise out of me anymore. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Red learns the true nature of Team Rocket through, uh, uh, is it, is it Mr. Fuji? Oh no, Mr. Fuji, he has to go find. Uh, this is the, the, uh, Mr. Fuji's assistant character, right? Or the, the girl I who helps him run a house? A volu- she's a volunteer at the Pokemon house and mm-hmm. she really looks up to Mr. Fuji and she's the one who tells, um, Red about Cuban's story and how horrifying Team Rocket is acting. Yes, and uh, how they're responsible for uh, uh, baby's Q-Bone's mother... Uh, ba- the, the Q-Bone's mother being yeah. killed. Um, and uh, she gets uh, a little screen time later on, actually. Um, so, word spreads that Mr. Fuji's the Pokemon Tower confronting Team Rocket, uh, which is pretty hardcore for an old guy to do. He's He's telling this gang to get out of his town, which is so cool. Um, so, or at least, you know, get out of the Pokemon tower, let these poor Pokemon rest. Uh, so, uh, we get a reinterpretation of the theme from the Pokemon tower, which is wonderful. Oh, Um, yes. So, uh, Blue shows up and he's in the Pokemon tower too, because I don't remember why. Like, why is he there? Oh, he wants the glory. Pretty much. He hears, he overhears Red offering to get Team Rocket out of the tower and to save Mr. Fuji. And he says, you know what? If I do that before Red can do it, I can get all the glory for it. 
um, which is fun. I mean, he's doing the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, yeah. And he helps Blue him. Uh... Such a oh, go ahead. Weird character. Now he has, he has like because he has so many instances of him doing the right thing and then acting like he doesn't care. And you think, oh, he's just, you know, the classic jerk with a heart of gold. But he does do the wrong thing from time to time. Uh, he's, he's not... He's not so so black and white, you know? Yeah, I uh, like that. And that would be way more obvious than what he ends up being. Um, so, uh, Blue helps uh, Red battle Team Rocket while Red uh, battles the ghost of Cubone's mother. Uh, and Blue throws Red the self scope that he got from Team Rocket, and Red realizes that the ghost, you know, actually is Cubone's mother. Um, and then Cubone helps Red take down Team Rocket by dispelling. Uh, he, he throws his bone and gets rid of coughing smog. Uh, by the way, at this point, um, the mother is no longer, you know, interested in yeah, battling. Which, it's just which I liked actually because in the game you have to defeat Cubone's mother. Mm-hmm. But in Origins, the girl brings the Cubone up to the tower because Cubone had gotten super agitated. And it's just all that was needed. She just needed to see her baby and know that mm-hmm. it was okay. And when Cubone hugs his mother as ghost, she can finally rest in peace. It's almost like an improvement on what it is in the game, you know? Like, it's, it gives a more satisfying resolution, you know? I agree. Um, so yeah, all is well. Uh, Fuji gives Rev the pokey flute, and uh, what he he doesn't know. Nobody in the world knows what these are, but we do as an audience member. Uh, <laughs> he, he gives him the mega stones or some mega stones, and uh, you get a little little uh, little jolt in the pit, pit, uh, pit of your stomach. There, you're like, oh boy, they're coming. Yeah, it's happening so far. Everything had been strictly Gen 1 or Gen 3 at the most. And then, wham, Megastones. It's almost this like dramatic irony. More interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's take a quick break uh, for commercials here. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back with the second half of the show. Dear ghouls and gunnets. You are hereby invited to the first ever Huckle Movie Club Halloween Spooktacular by the Master of Ceremonies, the gruesome, the terrible, dare I say, ghastly Baron Von Ethan. The night's entertainment will consist of three of the most haunting episodes of the Pokemon anime, carefully selected to chill you to your core. The cursed affair will take place at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, October 29th. Be sure to tell your friends so that they too can join in on the celebration of the Macaw. Hey, this is Ethan from Puckle Movie Club with a quick commercial break. Just letting you know that if you send an email to pucklepodcast at gmail.com, we will answer your questions. So ask us questions about what we think about movies, tell us what you think about movies, even just send us whatever you're up to. Gmail account is pucklepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Thatch, and I wanted to let you know how you can improve your Puckle experience. First, you can come to pucklepodcast.com where we have a chat box and forums where you can talk to many other Pokemon fans who also listen to the show. You can keep up to date 
on the latest Puckle news by following us on our Twitter, liking our Facebook page, subscribing to our subreddit, and following our Tumblr. Don't forget to review us on iTunes, though. It helps us find more people to come and hang out with us, and we can have larger tournaments because of it. And, if you're feeling generous, we also have a Patreon, where you can donate in return for some awesome rewards. And as always, thanks for listening, and for all the support you give us. Catch you guys on the flip-flop. And we're back. Uh, hope you enjoyed those uh, wonderful bumpers, uh, featuring a plug for uh, the Halloween Spooktacular coming up this weekend. Spooktacular. Uh, it'll actually be pretty fun because Thatch and I will be in the, the same place for the first time for the Spooktacular. Um, I'm going to be visiting Thatch this weekend. Um, so yeah, you ready to get into the uh, episode three? I mean, I was a bit distracted by the thought of you and Thatch running towards each other in slow motion in a field of flowers, but yes, we can go on. I'm glad you think of us in this light. <laughs> I think that's probably what it's going to be. We're actually going to have flowers in our hair, too. It's going to be rather beautiful. Oh, fantastic. Um, now, before we get into episode three, let's quickly talk about how this is the best version of Giovanni that exists in my opinion, oh. or uh, as you were telling me earlier, how is it properly pronounced? Giovanni. Giovanni. You just got to roll straight through it. Yeah, yeah. It's That I is almost silent. It's just to tell you that it's Giovanni and not Giovanni or yeah, something like, it's like that. A, it's almost like a Y, like Giovanni. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm just setting you guys up now. This, this Giovanni is... Uh, Got some got some nuance to him. So, um, Red encounters Giovanni at Silfcorp, right? It's it, that is Silfcorp. I I missed which company it was. No, no, it was Silf. Like the secretary comes out and asks for help, and we get another one of those. Wait, is blue good or evil times? Mm-hmm. Because Red is all about I'm going to go in and liberate Silf from Team Rocket, and Blue is like, oh, I'm not gonna get involved in this. And he just, the most he offers to do is, I'm going to take the secretary off to the police station so we can get the police involved. It is... And then you remember that in the games, you do meet Blue in Sylph. So, which is the truth? It's it's interesting. I think this works better for Zark, in that he's not, uh, it, it, it established he is kind of in that gray area, you know? Like, um, <laughs> he's not going to stick his neck out for other people, really. Uh, which is interesting. And it's a difference between him and Red, where, you know, Red is this pure soul and Blue has this, like, kind of self, self-serving self darkness to him. Um, anyways, so Giovanni explains that he views Pokemon as a tool for business, which is, frankly, a pretty clunky way of wording that. I think that's one of the most offensive translation lines in the dub. It just doesn't really play super well. Um, but, you know, you get the point. It's like... He views them as a tool rather than partners. And um, mm-hmm. we get a short montage of... Uh, it, is it, it's, it's a montage of Red encountering Giovanni again? Or is it just... Well, no, it's Red gets beaten by Giovanni in Sylph. Right. His Charizard gets completely stomped on. And this is, interestingly, why Giovanni gets to get away before the police comes. Mm-hmm. Because in the anime... Red doesn't get to beat Giovanni in the Sylph. And Red has a lot to think about 
why is Giovanni able to beat me? Right. And I guess he learns that, yeah, you need to be a good partner for your Pokemon, but plain numbers like levels of moves have a place in Pokemon battling as well. Strategy is equally important in preparation, and it it's a balancing act as a trainer between wanting to be a friend and a partner to your Pokemon, but also having to be a trainer, you know? Um, exactly. Which is... You- you need both to be a true good Pokemon trainer. Yeah, and Giovanni has him beat in the the training category. He's just basically untouchable. Um, so Red encounters Giovanni again, but this time as a gym leader, uh, or as Red puts it, the enemy of all Pokemon, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, which is rather interesting. This because Red meets Blue, who has also beaten Giovanni, but just as the gym leader. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when Red walks into the gym and finds out that Giovanni is the gym leader, and he says, I'm going to challenge you, not as a gym leader, but as an enemy to Pokemon, Giovanni says, okay, you know what? Since you said that, and since I have a beef with you, I'm going to put away the Pokeballs with the Pokemon that I would use for an actual league gym challenge, and I'm going to get out my own true strong Pokemon. And he gets them from Ultra Balls, which I thought was a really nice touch. And it's and so uh, this is an actual battle, not just a gym battle. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not just a gym battle, and uh, this doesn't affect Giovanni the way uh, gym battles usually affect him, which is not at all. Uh, he views this as a challenge worth like actually stepping up to, you know. And there's something about this kid that he that just sets him off and gets him upset. And uh, makes him do irrational things, and um, he he and realizes only, that what's that? Yeah, not only that, he doesn't just get frustrated; he gets excited about this battle, mm-hmm. and he starts to enjoy just being a Pokemon trainer again, like he did when he was a kid. Yeah, it's it's battling somebody with such an enthusiasm for it reminds him of when he had the same enthusiasm for. You know, like for 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 battling and uh, yeah, um, uh, we red red ascribes some sort of meaning to winning with Charizard, uh, which is similar to something that I've done in games. You know what I mean? It's like I have to finish this with my starter. You know what I mean? Oh, oh uh, yeah, which is really Absolutely. fun. Um, yeah, and so- which proves in a way because Giovanni tells him. You're going to lose, because I have a rock-type Pokemon, and you kept your Charizard for last. You have no hope. But Red had used some strategy up to that point, and this was, I guess, a way, maybe not even consciously, but it was a way to prove to Giovanni that both strategy and heart are going to bring Red to victory. Absolutely. Because he he, he has a... um a different way of thinking about battling where, where he does have the sentimentality about him where he needs to use Charizard and what he does to, to, to work with Charizard. He has a, gosh, I forgot what movie uses a punch move. Um, mega punch, mega punch. Right. So yeah, uh, he, the, he, uh, Charizard uses mega punch in like this Hajime no Ippo cross counter type way where they, you know, the Pokemon punch each other at the same time. And, um, red wins, Giovanni dissolves Team Rocket, and he uh, gives Red some advice about battling, 
and um, yeah, so uh, it's interesting to have Giovanni get his own arc because usually he's just kind of this bad guy with a bit of swagger. You know what I mean? Where yeah. here he has his like you you see him go through a development and change and and uh, red is so pure and um gosh i i'm sorry if i yeah. i don't have the words today but uh i uh, i but i know exactly what you mean i thought and the way they let you see this is also a very nice detail because giovanni says okay you've beaten me you know what you get the earth badge mm-hmm. and red says i'm not going going to accept that from the leader of team rocket and so giovanni just turns to his henchman <laughs> and says okay you know what Team Rocket is no more. Here, take these from the Viridian City gym leader. Super and awesome power beautiful. move. It's beautiful. He just shuts down his entire criminal empire because on a whim because he has that much power and he wants to make this grand gesture towards this kid. Uh, who I don't think it's just that. I think while he battled Red, he realized that... Yeah, you know, he had all the power, but was he really happy and satisfied with his life? Oh, no, I'm sure he's Not actually changed. Not as much changed. as he was as a trainer and a gym leader. And so he decided, well, you know, I'm an evil guy. I'm I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And what makes me happy right now is no more Team Rocket. I'm just going to be Giovanni the trainer. Mm-hmm. It's and a it's, it's really it's really pretty great and I think this is the best version of Giovanni from I mean this is my opinion of, of course but oh I agree by far the best um so yeah we got a we're on to episode four last episode this stuff is I mean it just flies by this show absolutely rips by when you're watching it um, oh yes it's just, it, it moves I mean it's perfectly paced I'm gonna be honest um yes yes. Absolutely. And one more surprise. While I was surprised to see the gyms go by in a montage, the Elite Four itself goes by in a montage. And um, that was actually surprising to me because, uh, you know, it's been a while since I watched this and I didn't have exactly every single detail committed to memory. Um, so seeing the Elite Four go by without any sort of fanfare was interesting because that's not really the important thing. The important thing is getting red in there in that uh, champion battle with blue, um, oh, yes. where it is revealed that blue has already succeeded at becoming the champion. And uh, we get this amazing, fantastic reorchestration of the champion theme, uh, which is just heart wrenching. Oh yes. Oh, the, I, the music in this is amazing throughout. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's probably some of the best. You know how, like, they do uh, reorchestrations and they do As- redo old themes? I think these are probably my favorite interpretations. Um, and they, they just have I this loving heard care to them. One. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, champion theme. And um, we get you know, a pretty great battle between them. People are, are, are Pokemon are running on walls. Uh, Blastoid takes a punch to his mush at one point. Just like, he just <laughs> takes it right to the face. He's like a rock. He doesn't move at all. And uh, yeah. we get really fantastic choreography. Um, oh, and and, and and when Charizard uses seismic toss. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, Let's, a, 
it's go. a thing of beauty. I yeah. was losing my mind. I think you can see it in my notes. Um, I have all these caps and exclamation points. And <laughs> yes, it's, yes. Uh, yeah, like I have a, a ga at one point. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Red, Red uh, comes out on top. And uh, Oak comes to congratulate him on becoming the new champion of the, the Kanto Elite Four. And uh, somehow Red manages to, uh, manages to remain humble because he's just that good of a kid and uh, vows to keep the name of champion worthy of respect. Um, yeah. And from there we see uh, Red go to complete his Pokédex. He's capturing the legendary birds. Um, and then he goes back to Pallet Town to find that uh, Blue has been injured by a mysterious Pokemon, or he was injured while battling mysterious Pokemon. Which uh, is extremely surprising to him because he had gone to Pallet Town to say, Guess what? I've completed the Pokedex, all 149 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Again, dramatic uh, dramatic irony there, where we like we as the audience, they're like, "Oh, come on, you know, there's one more," or you know, in quotes, "one more." Uh, yeah, and yep. uh, so yeah, we learn that uh, there's mysterious new Pokemon out there, um, and uh, we get a, a sequence where Red pieces together what Mewtwo is by uh, a series. We get a really amazing flashback shot of. A, oh. a Mewtwo on fire in a burning laboratory that's just so awesome. It was disturbing and awesome at the same time. And it was also awesome to see Red actually have to slowly and carefully piece together the few bits of diary he had read back in the Pokemon Mansion a while ago and not have him just remember right out of the blue mm -hmm. because you know he's an actual person he's not a video game character he's not a computer program mm -hmm. he has to think about it long and hard before he remembers reading in the pokemon mansion about something that he now realizes is mewtwo yeah, yeah. um just to go back to the shot of mewtwo really quick you don't even like see a complete whole mewtwo you get this weird monstrous like the fire itself forms the the form of this Pokemon, and it's amazing. It's just a really, really inspired way of doing that uh, that has oh, yes. so much gravity to do it, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he pieces together who Mewtwo is, and he goes to encounter him. And uh, I think it establishes the stakes right out the gate when you see that, that Red brought Articuno with him to this. he had, The first Pokemon he throws out is Articuno. He means business. Uh, oh, yes. And, uh, of course, it comes down to Charizard in the end. And um, Charizard and Red get knocked into the water by, by one of Mewtwo's uh, psychic moves. Um, I think it was Barrier. Or not Barrier. It was like, I don't, I don't know what move it was. Um, oh, I, I, I'm not sure. I, the only move I specifically remember Mewtwo using is Swift, because yeah. Red then asks Charizard to answer with a Swift of its own, and both Ethan and I, as he was telling me before, were like, wait, can Charizard learn Swift? And we found out that Charizard can learn Swift only in Generation 1 and 2 via TM, which makes it rather interesting what happens once they start going down in the water. Right. So they sink down into the water. 
which in the most anime sequence ever. Uh, oh yeah. Where, where uh, they they come together and and form this this like uh, kind of it, they they kind of almost emulate like the 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 design of the uh, Megastone and lo and behold Megastones light up and uh, Charizard Mega evolves and um, it's just the best it's just the best. <laughs> And they, oh, yes. <laughs> they fly out of the water and they get back into the battle and then we get a uh uh one final mega punch on Mewtwo and we get three shots of it he knocks him back and um yeah and then and then uh, yes and Re- then Mewtwo is finally weak enough that he can catch Mewtwo in an ultra ball mm-hmm. and his Pokédex is complete. Yeah, oh yeah and uh that's the 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 you think the episode ends on this wonderful little watercolor freeze frame, uh, but then uh, we we get one more um, little glimpse there of Red sitting down to eat with Oak and Blue and is uh, is it his mom? Uh, I think it's either I mean it looks like Oak's assistant, but it might be Blue's mother of all we know. I, I think it might be Oak's assistant, but um. So yeah, because they, they, I don't think I don't think Blue has a mom, but <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, not Blue's mom. Uh, I was thinking Red's mom, but I, I just couldn't remember. Oh no, remember. it's not Red's mom. No, it's, okay. it's Oak's assistant. I Absolutely. just knew there was a, a fourth person there. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, they eat together and um, they they talk about it. it's like oh you hear rumors about this Pokemon Mew and then of course Mew shows up flying outside and uh, then the show is over. Um, yeah, so that's that's Pokemon. Pokemon Origins, um, yeah. So it's, that's I guess awesomeness. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, do you have any immediate thoughts coming off of uh, off of breaking down the episodes? Yes. Um, first, a more general one. I rewatched it now after watching it with you at movie night, mm-hmm. and I I didn't remember it being so good. Yeah. I was really, really impressed once again. I just, I, I, I could not fathom a Pokemon anime being so good. Yeah, I, it, just, I, it just blew me away. I think a lot again. of people are in the same boat. I um, I watched the last episode with my roommates. Uh, there was actually one of them was originally going to be on this episode, but the timing didn't work out. Um. And they were getting it with me the entire time, you know, just kind of getting wrapped up in the whole thing because he had also watched it before. Um, Yeah, and it's, I I think it's almost unfair to compare this to the other anime at this point because it has an inherent advantage over all the other Pokemon movies and stuff. Yes, those are blatantly for younger children. Mm Mm-hmm. The target for this is obviously a bit different. Uh, I also think that this series isn't beholden to 20 years of history like the anime is, you know? Uh, Oh, yes. They get to craft their own characters within a pre-existing framework established by the games and find meaning in certain actions that characters take or or change them to to give them a bit more meaning. Um and I, I think most importantly, Red is a real character who gets to have an arc um, where, at this point, Ash is kind of an icon. Uh, he doesn't really... Like, how many more stories can be told with Ash? Like, how I many mean, more I, things can he do? 
I believe that is a necessity. If you have an anime going on for 20 years, you have to maintain a certain status quo when it comes to your protagonist. Of because it, you can't change things around too much or you risk losing your format. Especially since, as we were saying, the target of that anime is rather young children. And mm-hmm. young children respond very well to formulas and a repetition and all that of kind course. of thing. I'm not saying it's inherently bad to have a, a an iconic protagonist. I, I mean, I, I like Gash as much as the next guy, but it's uh, there is this element of surprise that you get from the show and meeting Red as a character and um, the subtleties of a character like Blue that that just oh, you know it, was, it's it's kind of i don't know was inspiring possibly my my favorite character in this because as we were saying he's he's flawed but he's not just obnoxious for the sake of being obnoxious like mm. Gary is in the anime or oh my like gosh, no. or like even he is in the games in the games uh you get barely a glimpse of the possibility that he might actually be a decent guy, uh, which he turns out to be in in gold and uh, and silver. Mm-hmm. But in Origins, you can see more of him, and it's nice to see him. Uh, like when he gets scared in the Pokemon Tower, and he runs away from the ghost, and he bumps into Red, and you'd expect from a more uh, by the book anime to make a bumbling fool of himself because oh, oh, he's the rival. He's always such a jerk and now he gets his comeuppance, mm-hmm. you know. But but that's not the case. He's scared for a moment and he says, okay, Red, we both have to get out of here because we both need to be safe. But when Red says, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to face the ghost, he says, okay, I am not facing the ghost, but he doesn't even have time to run all the way away before he thinks, no, you know what? I should face Team Rocket. Yeah. And he makes himself useful. Um, yeah, I, I, I think just, it's... I like that. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 you know, legitimizes him as a character and as a trainer that he's like, he has this quality about him to, to where he is sure of himself. And uh, while he's immature... He's not necessarily a straight-up bad guy, and, and um, I, I don't know. It just makes him more nuanced than a character like Gary Oak at the beginning. Um, I mean, not that Gary Oak doesn't have an arc, but the, the, in, in a matter of an hour and a half, uh, Blue has some development, which is really great. Um, and I think, I think this show does a really great job of setting up and paying off story beats, um, like the the setup of the Megastones and the setup of Mount Fuji and how he relates to Mewtwo, it's all you know it all ties together into this really nice little bow, and uh, it's really fun to experience and just makes it a really great time. Um, yeah, and it just goes to show even more that they could handpick only a few bits of the original story of the games, and they knew what they were doing. They didn't oh, yeah. just pick the cool ones they picked the ones that allowed them to build up wholesome and uh coherent and strong narrative absolutely it's just 
it's a tight package. It, it just moves along super fast. Uh, I watched it all in a matter of, like, two sittings. Um, not that that's, you know, terribly impressive, but it's just... Um, I... I don't know. I just felt inclined to keep watching it. It was, it was, it's a really great time. Um, and it really does go so far in that hour and a half without feeling unearned, you know? Um, it it, it feels like all of this makes sense to have this progression from him being this, uh, untrained, you know, um, uh, beginner trainer to the league champion, because you see it there at the very beginning that he does have this, this something in him that makes him special, uh, and people in the around him see it too, uh, and yeah, he's destined for greatness. The interesting thing is that both he and Blue have something special. They both have a lot of potential, but what makes Red even better than Blue is that he's willing to learn from others. Mm. He learns yes. from Brock, he learns even from Giovanni, even from his enemy, if you will. He learns from everyone, he learns even from his Pokemon, he's, he's willing to listen. Yes. And that just gives, me, gives him an edge that Blue, who is a bit too sure of himself, can't have. I, I think it's, it's, it reflects his, not wisdom, but his, his worldliness and that, that he appreciates what other people have to say and it and and that makes him a better trainer by being more understanding and listening um, yes i guess i guess he's just humble enough whereas mm-hmm. blue isn't yeah um yeah that's I, I think that's the ultimate difference between them yeah it's a really great analysis um so i i think this goes without saying but the, the, we mentioned it earlier, the show looks fantastic, and I think it actually has some fairly technically impressive uh, bits to it. Like, there's one shot in the final confrontation between Red and Blue, uh, like the, the showdown between Champion and, and Challenger, uh, mm-hmm. where re- when Blue throws out his first Pokeball, uh, Pokeball, there's a really crazy 360, uh, like... Uh, crane move around the Pokeball as he holds it up in the air, and it's just it oh, has yes. so much scope to it. It's it's, it's it, you really get a uh, a sense of wonderment from that, and um, yeah, like the direction's fantastic, the writing's good, um, the dub performances are good enough for what they are. They actually, I, I think they end up being really charming. Um, I think wh- I think I love most of them, even the ones that are you know, maybe not 100% how you'd like them. The one thing about the dub that bothered me a bit was that they didn't take the time and effort to edit the Pokemon cries, and it was really, really evident that it was just human voices doing Pokemon grunts. Mm. And it got a bit disturbing at times. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually kind of like how weird they are. They're very, uh, I don't want to say real, but they're, there's a, uh, a definite grittiness to them that comes with having a, a dude's voice. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, um, I was a fan of not having them go, you know, pika pee or bulba mm-hmm. bulba because this is a more serious product, but yeah. they were a tiny bit too human, you know. Mm, I could see that for sure. 
Um, I just, I think by the end of it, I was so wrapped up that I wasn't super concerned uh, by <laughs> d- the, the dub or, um, you know, oh, Pokemon I, I, Cries, but yeah. I stopped noticing after episode one. I was too caught up in the story. Uh, just just uh, before we before we head out here, I think I'd really quickly like to mention um, an absolutely insane shot in this is when Charizard used Swift. Uh, how those you know like you know how Swift has the stars that chase yes. after because you know it's a it's a move that chases Pokemon down. Um, we the camera follows around uh, Mewtwo as he dodges these. Uh, swift oh, yes. stars and it's just fantastic it really it was it reminded me almost of that what's the te- technical term the one the one air uh, you oh, know when one air one air perfect uh, the one, one from the avengers a, a one the for one those that who... follows all the heroes in the avengers in the final battle you yes. remember that it's it, a, it almost reminded me of that one. That's how good it was. I I totally I can totally get what you're saying there. Yeah, I absolutely see that. It's uh, I mean, it's just kind of inspired to think. I mean, it, it shows the care they put into it to think about what a move would do and how do you use the camera to convey that visually. And I think it they absolutely nailed it. I think this product shows that there are that the people who made it really care about Pokemon and are, are fans of it and got deep into what Pokemon means and how it looks and how it feels. And I think it's, they just nailed it. They nailed it. I mean, it's a, it seems to me to be a Pokemon product by people who love Pokemon and it's super refreshing. I agree 100%. I I could not even give a vote if we were like rating this because it's it's perfect as it is. Yeah, I I basically wouldn't touch any of it. <laughs> you know, I, I I love what it is and what it stands for and uh, what it says and uh, yeah, I, I I think I I mean I I think you know at this point, Pokemon Origins is really fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I needed a show like this to, to kind of, you know, uh, jumpstart me a little bit because uh, it, it, it inspired, it, it, frankly, it inspired me to have like way better notes prepared for this episode. Um, and I, I felt like it deserved this, the, it deserved special treatment because it's a special, it's a special thing. It- it absolutely um, did. I mean, when uh, when you enjoy something so much, it just everything comes together on its own almost. It's it, it's so easy to to talk for I don't know how long we've been talking about this, but it's been quite a while and we could go on for just as much time again and again because it's it's just awesome. Yeah, I I wasn't anticipating this being as long as an episode as it ended up being, but you know, you just want to talk about it, and um, the conversation just comes so naturally <coughs> about something so good. Um, Especially something with so many details that are worth pointing out, because there was, as you said, so much care in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's just going to about do it for this episode. Um, we got the Halloween Spooktacular, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, just to re- again, a reminder, 7 o'clock Eastern, Eastern Daylight Time, October 29th. Uh, we're going to be watching uh, three spooky Pokemon movies hosted by uh, yours truly, Baron Von Ethan. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, thank you very much, Whimsicott. You're the best, as always. Thank for, you. Thank you for having me. It was being absolutely a pleasure. Oh, you were accommodating as well, so thank you. Yeah, um, and uh, th- yeah, thank you. It's been awesome. This was, this was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I've, uh, I've been Ethan. And I've been Whimsicott. Save your file now. <laughs> and uh, from the underground... Uh, recording studio at the Ruins of Alf. It's closing time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.